Hello and welcome to Gore and Guilty. I'm Greg. And I'm Georgia. And we're a true crime and paranormal podcast. Today we're doing a true crime episode, and in fact it's a Georgia episode. And correct me if I'm wrong, Georgia, but I think we're doing a crime that's a little close to home for us. Yes, well, we are going to be talking about the Pembrokeshire murders. And actually, when the person in question gets sentenced, he actually is sentenced in Swansea Court. So that is very much close to home. It's where Greg and I went to university. Not actually the prison, but or the court, but Swansea. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a cool place to do a degree. Yeah. For for people that... Uh, unaware, Pembrokeshire and Swansea are in South Wales. Yeah. In Britain. That's a bit of a geography lesson for you all. Free of charge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we are doing a case in Wales today, which, yeah, exciting. Indeed. Before we jump into all of those shenanigans, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, I had a lovely weekend this week. I had, on Saturday, we had a charity event at the pub, which was really fun, had lots of wine. Um, And then on the Sunday, I had an engagement party to to go to. So that was also really nice. So I had like a nice weekend. Who's getting married? Um, My next door neighbour, Charlotte. I don't know if she listens but <laughs> she is yeah she'll be getting married next year so um my family and, and luke have all been invited so i'm really excited about a wedding oh exciting times i like to, i like that it seems like you were thinking about her name i was like well you should really figure it out before you get to the wedding Georgia. <laughs> oh no not at all i was just debating whether to say her name do you know what i mean whether to say her name on the podcast uh, or not. good point good point but I know, I think her mum listens to the podcast, so hello. Mm. <laughs> Hi, mum. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how are you doing, Greg? I am doing okay. I'm currently having to isolate, so I'm oh, stuck in my flat. No. Because apparently I've been in close contact with someone that's got the dreaded COVID. Um, which is very annoying for me because I'm only about two weeks away from my second jab anyway. And I wouldn't have had to oh, no. isolate if I had that. So close. So close and yet so far. But <laughs> it's okay. We move. We go. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to do an update on the Colin Pitchfork situation? Yeah. So Colin Pitchfork has now been released from prison after serving 30 years we recently posted a post on our Instagram where we asked you guys to discuss what you think about this news, how you feel about it, and yeah, he he has now been released. We did do an episode on Colin Pitchfork on episode 16, is that right, Greg? That's correct. All of the responses to in a discussion were largely in, a, in, in the same line or on the same line. That was, he shouldn't be released. So if anyone's got any contrasting thoughts, please let us know. Yeah, I'd love to hear them. You know, all thoughts are welcome. Obviously, it's it's a it's a kind space. So don't, that you know, you can speak your mind and it's okay. But, um, but yeah, it's, 
It's a lot of a lot of the people either thought that he shouldn't be have been released at all, or that he should have at least served sixty years, at least a life sentence for each person he murdered. But yeah, it's very controversial. It is weird they let them do it concurrently, isn't it? Yeah, I I don't know how I personally feel about that, but buy one get one free. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not what how I thought about it the other day as well because I was looking I was looking back into the case. Both of the girls that he murdered were fifteen years old each. He served thirty years. He's basically served one year for every life every year that they spent on this earth. I just don't think that's right. I just, I don't know. I feel very, yeah. I feel bad for their families. I feel so bad for their families. It's just, I don't know. Um, but yeah. on, you know, on other people's thoughts as well is that he served his time. He did what he was sentenced. That's, that's what the courts thought that he deserved. And he did his time and to his best ability. So... On the other hand, has he, you know, has he done his time? Is it, is it right for him now to leave? So, but yeah, if anybody wants to discuss it further, you're more than welcome to do so on our Instagram post. Do it. Do you want to jump into things? Yeah. Let's nice. do it. Last episode, I gave you all a clue on what case I was going to be doing this week. Because I visited Pembrokeshire only a couple of weeks ago, camping, I thought I would do the Pembrokeshire murders. And our serial killer is named John Cooper. This is also referred to as the Coastal Murders and the Bullseye Killer. Oh, do you know what? I don't think I've heard this one ever. Really? Oh, is it... It's a it's a well known one in the way that there's been many TV series and documentaries um, produced about this case, and ITV actually recently did one a couple of years ago, um, like a, a reenactment drama of this case, which yeah, it's it's a good one. There's um going to be some questions for you later down the line. I want to hear what you think about. Certain situations, yeah. Test, yeah. No, not a test. I, I, I just want to get your opinion on some stuff. It'd be awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, John William Cooper was born on the third of September, which I realise is tomorrow. It's his birthday. Third of September, nineteen forty-four, in Milford Haven, Pembrokeshire, Wales. When he was between the ages of 17 and 21, so all within five years of each other, he was charged with theft of a vehicle, assaulting a police officer, drunk and disorderly, and assault causing actual bodily harm, ABH. So He was getting up to a lot of action in Milford Haven then. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Not, not a good place to start at 17. No, sounds like a bit of a career criminal already. Mm. In 1978, John Cooper, who was a farmer at the time, won 90 grand and £4,000 worth car in a newspaper competition. Spot the ball. 90 grand in 1978? Yeah, which I've done the conversion of this. Nowadays, 90 grand is worth 
454,000 and his car would have been approximately 20 grand. In a in a bloody local newspaper competition. Yeah, isn't that like what? mad? What? That's madness. Unbelievable. This at first made him happy, of course. He gave 10,000 to his relatives and took his wife on a nice fancy holiday. However, one of Cooper's friends said, quote, John developed a huge drink and gambling habit after his winnings went to his head. He was a life-changing amount of money and he saw real change in him. He spent most of it in the pubs and the bookies. Bookies means like a gambling place where you place bets, if you didn't know. Mm-hmm. I once saw him lose 1,000 on a horse and he went mental. People were scared of him and he got into a lot of fights. As his money dried up, he started the robberies. That's a... Well, is the moral of the story to never win money. Ooh. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It sounds like... <laughs> to be fair, most of my money goes to the pubs. and I don't even <laughs> have lots. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he would have, yeah, it seemed as though at the start it was all happy days and he'd spent it on things that I suppose probably, you know, you and I and most people would, like a nice holiday, giving some to your family and just, you know, enjoying it. But then it did take a turn for the worse when drink and gambling got involved and he lost it all. So I'm going to move on to the first murders. Of Richard and Helen Thomas. On the 22nd of December 1985, he went to a three story farmhouse in Scoveston Park where he killed brother and sister Richard and Helen Thomas, and then after that, he burnt the manor down. They were millionaire landowners. At first, the police thought that it was a murder suicide between the siblings. But once the bodies were examined, the police realised that the shotgun injuries could not have been self-inflicted and an accelerant for the fire had been discovered in many rooms of the manor house. Helen had been tied up and shot and Richard had been shot in the stomach. At first, the police were on the look for a motorcycle and a 4x4 vehicle, which they had seen in the area at the time of the murders and it had been driven by the same male. It was believed that Cooper did this due to a burglary that had gone wrong. So he never meant, he never intended to kill them. Well, that wasn't the plan, the original plan. I think with a lot of the murders that he committed, or some of them, it seemed as though it was a robbery that had gone wrong, or burglary that had gone wrong. Okay. And I think that he ended up obviously not reacting in the right way. I suppose you shouldn't burgle a house anyway, but he, his response was very much a, an aggressive response. Well, he seems like quite a violent man, doesn't he? Yeah, especially with his history so far. Mm. So he moved the bodies of Helen and Richard onto the stairs of the manor from an outbuilding before setting the manor on fire. Three and a half years later, on the 29th of June, 1989, Peter and Gwenda Dixon were murdered. Peter was 51 and Gwenda was 52 and they were on holiday in Pembrokeshire. 
it's it's beautiful there there's like loads of coastal walks luke and i literally did these similar walks only a couple weeks ago and they decided to go on one and unfortunately they never returned they were walking on a footpath near little haven pembrokeshire which they've done every year for the last 15 there's something extra sad about people dying on holiday maybe because you know people are relaxed aren't they they they're meant to hmm it's like when you feel like you should be least likely to come to harm yeah like yeah it... i know it's other than the holiday part is pretty unrelated but the grace Mullane case mm. where she was on holiday in new zealand that one just always gets me because you're just on holiday you know traveling without a care in the world and just enjoying life and experiencing life and then it's mm. taken away from you and may i don't know it's funny isn't it yeah i i agree it's it, it does make things there's a, another level of sadness yeah uh, yeah that's true it's always sad of course but yeah like, someone's on holidays feels wronger i agree what makes this weirder there is a little I was going to say fun fact, not so fun fact. Um, the campsite in which they were using, my dad actually camped at the same site on the same year as this murder occurred. So he would have been there only a couple months before it happened. And the only reason he found this out was because he was watching Crime Watch during the time where they were talking through this case and he recognised the owner of the campsite standing next to his Ford Sierra red car, which he obviously recognised when he was camping there. But your your dad's, and I know he listens, but your dad's yeah. boy. <laughs> he, he seems to be bloody everywhere, doesn't he? Yeah, he seems as often. I you're often in a case like, oh, my dad is connected to this crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what are the little, chances? Getting a little too coincidental, Dave. <laughs> Dave, exactly. Like, oh just so happens to know someone that's like was there or just so happened to be at the campsite very hmm we're on to you <laughs> spooky isn't it i don't like that it just <laughs> I know. yeah he's bloody being rumbled now he's gonna be laughing at us now oh dear but yeah i mean what are the chances that he he would have been there only a couple months prior to this happening. Just spooky. Mm, what are the chances? <laughs> <laughs> he is in no way connected to anything. <laughs> sorry, sorry. We know you're not a killer, Dave. <laughs> He's going to be like so nervous now. Like, Greg, why did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh bless him right, um, back to it their bodies were unfortunately found on the coastal path but they were well hidden under hazel twigs and bracken the bracken had been pulled out from the root and then replanted around the bodies to, in hope that they would grow around them to avoid them from being discovered which is just like an extra element Cooper had tied the couple up separately, and they were found a few yards apart. He stole £300 from Peter Dixon and his wedding ring, and then demanded them to give him 
their bank card as well as their pin. Once they had disclosed this, he shot them point blank with the shotgun. Gwenda suffered two shots and a blow to the head and it was thought that she was sexually assaulted and Peter had suffered three gunshot wounds. God, this guy's awful. Oh, awful. Awful. He was actually diagnosed later to be a psychopath, which, understandably. Yeah, I'm not surprised on hearing that. He used their bank card approximately two hours after he committed this crime in Pembroke, and then the two days following in Carmarthen and Haverford West. So there's obviously no remorse there. It's literally, I've done this, got my money, and I'm off now to go and like withdraw it without any feeling towards what he just did. During this time of the murders as well, many people around the area had reported hearing the loud bangs and noises that sounded like gunshot. This double murder remained unsolved for 22 years. Whoa, he's got away with this stuff for years. Years. He basically had two decades of freedom. That is savage. Really savage. In March 1996, he threatened a group of young people, there were five of them in total, with a gun in the Woodlands area behind Mount Mount Estate, Milford Haven. At gunpoint, he unfortunately sexually assaulted one of the girls as well as raping the other girl. They were aged 15 and 16. Obviously, they've been remained unnamed for age-related reasons, of course, but disgusting. I can't... Yeah, awful. Yeah, the guy's a brute. Really, really horrible. By 1998, he had committed 30 burglaries and attempted armed robbery, and because of this, he was sentenced to 14 years in prison, where he was later released in 2009. So, he is now serving prison time, but not for the murders and the assaults that he has committed. But purely just for the burglaries that he was doing in the area. So he wasn't linked to the murders at all? Nope. Not at all at this time. Well, I guess back then they probably were had less good forensic stuff, right? I don't... Well, I think with this case particularly is that... There wasn't that much evidence Mm. to go off. And it was really difficult to pinpoint who was committing these murders. And things like this in Wales never really happened. No, can definitely vouch for that. It really didn't happen. It was actually his next... Well, it was actually one of his decisions that got him caught, which this is quite unbelievable. So... uh, On the 28th of May, 1989, one month before he committed the murders of the Dixons. So remember that he's already committed the double murder of the Thompsons. Mm -hmm. He appeared on a game show called Bullseye, which is a dart-themed game show, which is then televised. Televised? Yeah. National television. Sounds right. Yeah. But on the telebox. On the telebox. And this was actually used as evidence later, which connect him. This was actually used as evidence later, which connected him to the sketches that were made by witnesses' description, and it helped to put him behind bars. 
pretty brave, isn't it? Going on a game show and you should be fearing police turning up at your door. He had this air of confidence. It's actually quite eerie. I recommend anybody go on to go on YouTube and type in Bullseye John Cooper and you can watch the clip yourself. There is just an air of confidence. And to think that one month after this, he then goes to com- on to committing murders, more murders. Yeah, that's really, uh, really brave. There was that other killer, I've forgotten the name of him. I know he had long hair. Rodney Alcala? Alcala. Alcala. A-L-C-A-L-A. I like Alcala. Um, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but I like it. Sounds like he was Alcala by name and Alcala by nature. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> He, uh, yeah, he does. He has this like long, long hair, for sure. And he's the dating game killer. And he, he, ah, oh, I remember watching that clip as well. That was really. He's got. They're both really creepy. The police managed to get the footage of him on Bullseye from the archives, and managed to get a freeze frame of Cooper standing in the exact same position as the sketch, and they look identical. And I will be posting this picture on Instagrams for all of you to see because it is really telling. It was this moment that the police realised that's the guy. That's our man. That's our man. And in 2011, he was jailed and sentenced to a whole life sentence, which means he will never be released from prison. And he was sentenced in Swansea Crown Court. Ooh, Swansea. Um, mm. In September 2011, he appealed against his convictions. However, they were were rejected in November 2020. In November 2012. So, after Cooper's conviction, I know it seems quite short. There's still more to come. I was going to say, I wasn't sure if that was... Wrapping it in, done. 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. we're still we did a long episode last time, so... Yeah. <laughs> I I wasn't going to say anything no no don't worry don't worry (laughs) after Cooper was convicted the police noticed some similarities to other unsolved murders in South Wales they stated that some of the information uncovered during the trial had quote turned up some interesting issues that require further investigation Cooper had been convicted of four murders one rape one sexual assault 30 burglaries one attempted robbery. However, many, however, there are many unsolved cases that are thought to be linked to John Cooper. So I thought I'd go through a few of the unsolved cases with you to see your thoughts on them and whether you believe Cooper could be connected to them or not. So, oh, so he's not actually been connected to these, but you are thinking maybe he could have been. Exactly. So there's a lot of rumours with these cases that are unsolved that Cooper could be connected. Um, I've wrote down my opinions on them as well already, so I'm, I'm excited to see whether you agree or not. Before you do, before you go through the cases, give us like a quick recap or summary on his like mo. Okay, so his mo he usually uses a shotgun. He usually shotgun. shoots them facing them. He doesn't usually shoot them from behind. Okay. Um, he's very like aggressive in that manner and he usually takes money his 
He's usually going there for a burglary, robbery, so forth. He's there to take money mm. and take something from these people. They usually happen to have like stumbled across them and then he will kill them. But he usually... I keep saying usually. He will shoot them in front... Like, usually. Usually in front of them. So, yeah. Shotgun okay. from the front. Money's usually taken. Okay. Makes sense. And then he's also, he's not like stalking these people for days. He's happening upon them. Yeah, it seems to be. An opportunist in a way. An opportunist, yes. So with with the Thompsons, he stole money. They were millionaire landowners. Mm -hmm. Did then burn the house down. He, and with the Dixons, he stumbled across them on this coastal path where he asked for their pin number and and bank cards and stole 300 pounds off them. And both of them, they shot from the front. Cool. So, there's three cases that I'm going to go through quickly. The first one is Flo Evans, whose death is very much unexplained, and after Cooper's trial in May 2011, the police were considering to reopen it. She was a 72-year-old widow, and she lived near Cooper, and two miles from the Scoveston Park, where the murder of the brother and sister Richard and Helen Thomas occurred in 1985. She died soon after the murders of Peter and Gwenda Dixon in 1989. Mm-hmm. So she's currently in the very much in the area of where he was committing crimes. Not yep. only that, John Cooper and his wife Pat would visit Flo in her cottage and John would sometimes do small jobs around the place for her. Wait, so he knew her? He knew her. And went to her cottage multiple times. Oh, I'm sold. He's the killer. Not only that, right? She was found fully dressed in a half-filled bath in her cottage. Her death was registered as an accident where she had slipped and hit her head and drowned. During Cooper's trial, he would talk about Flo and even mention her during interviews. He knew that the police were already suspicious about her death and thought, and they thought it was odd that he kept bringing her up often. That is weird. That would be a weird thing to do if he did kill her. Why would you just be very... Remember, he's confident. I don't know whether he likes tiptoeing against mm, the fire. Maybe showing off. So, more information. Low Evans' family have always thought her death was suspicious as she never took baths. And at the time, there would have not been any hot water. She also hadn't got a, f- she also hadn't got a fire lit in the kitchen during the time of her death. Flo never locked her doors, but when she found, but when she was found, the door was locked. A few days before, Flo had mentioned to friends that she couldn't find her house key, and there were items missing from her property, such as money. And shotguns. A shot? What? They, she'd had a shotgun nabbed. And money, yeah. Oh, heck. She had had her keys stolen. She told her friends about that. And then when she was found, the doors were locked. So whoever did it, if someone did it, had taken the keys and then used the keys to lock the doors. Yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be our man John, surely. It just, so this all fits in with Cooper's MO 
During the time he was burglar burglaring 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 burglarizing burglarizing burglaring 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 I think yes at the time Cooper was burglaring 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 I can't say it without adding another syllable I'm gonna keep this in this is hilarious burglaring he was burglaring doing a burglary. He was burglaring. Burglaring. I'm adding another. <laughs> I'm adding a syllable in there that shouldn't happen. Burglaring. <laughs> I don't know. I'm saying it with confidence, but I'm not sure. Actually. I keep doing. He was burglaring houses. That's the best I'm gonna do. He's burglaring houses in the surrounding area. So it seems as though Flo would have been a likely target, especially as he would have known where she would have kept her money. It's also believed that Cooper visited Flo on the day she died. After Cooper's conviction, the police got in contact to Evans, the Evans's family to talk about Flo's death and explain the connections between Flo and John Cooper. So what do you think? I think that I'm sold. Sold. I think I'm sold. Me too. Seems... I think there's just too much. Yeah. He even saw her on the day that she died. He was there that day. Just. Yeah, it's way too coincidental, right? Because not that many people die in Wales. Not a lot of. It's not a very exciting place. I mean, it's a lovely place, but it's not a very exciting place. It's not like a soap where. No. I. I it, it is more quiet. I mean,. The whole country has six cities. That's it. And they're not very big cities. And one of them's the smallest in the whole of the UK. Yeah, exactly. So mm. that kind of puts it into perspective, I think, for people that don't maybe don't know Wales that well. So but if yeah. there's a guy going around murdering people and he knows this person, the victim, Flo, yeah. it seems highly likely to me. Yeah. Although, but he's never been prosecuted on this, so maybe we're missing something. I don't know, but maybe it seems very strange that it hasn't been fully linked to him. I know, it, it, yeah. The the yeah. Sometimes though, with cases where the person has been locked up for life, that that would take too much energy and money to take it further. I suppose sometimes the police aren't willing to go there. Who knows. Who knows? So the next couple, Helen and Megan Tews, and they were a couple that lived on a remote farmhouse in Clanharry near Bridgend. pronunciation. Thank you. The double L. Mm. In 1993, Megan was, th- Megan was 67 and Harry was 64. They were last seen by a neighbour on the 26th of July, 1993, where they were driving home from visiting the shops. At 11.30pm, two gunshots were heard. Although due to working on a farm, this was not out of the usual. He actually had a cabbage patch and Harry would often shoot the rabbits that came to eat them. So hearing kind of gunshots around here, you don't really bat an eye, that's usual. After their daughter couldn't get hold of them on the phone, she decided to ask a neighbour if they could go around and check on them. 
Owen Hopkins was a local farmer who went to the property to find the door unlocked. It was eerily quiet inside and there were some peeled spuds that were on the stove ready to be boiled. After no luck of finding the couple, he decided to call the authorities. In the early hours of Tuesday, so this occurred on Monday, the early hours on Tuesday, the couple's bodies were found hidden under hay bales next to the cow shed, covered in carpet. They had both been shot in the head, and the murder weapon was never found. This case still remains to be one of the most infamous unsolved murders in Wales, and continues to be after after 28 years. Was it a shotgun? Yes. Seems very similar to... Because he normally kills couples as well, doesn't he? Yes. So so this was a shotgun and he also they also were concealed, which is something that Cooper does. And it's worth mentioning that there are very few double shotgun murders occurring in, nationally during this time. And mm. Cooper had already been convicted of two. However... There are a few more details about this case that may change your mind. Oh. After investigating the property, it seems as though Harry and Meghan were expecting visitors. They had taken their special teacup set, which they usually reserved for guests, out, and there were signs that the tea set had been used. Their daughter, Cheryl, and son-in-law, Jonathan, rushed to the scene with the police during the search, And it was at this point that the son-in-law, Jonathan, touched the teacup. When the police checked for fingerprints, Jonathan's were the only ones that were on them, which made him the prime suspect. In 1995, he was arrested and charged with Harry and Meghan's murder and was sentenced to life in prison. It was believed that the reasons he may have done this was because he was in financial difficulty and Cheryl, the daughter, would be sole beneficiary to the estate. However, in 1996, after an appeal, it was acquitted. He was acquitted for both murders, and luckily Cheryl believed his innocence throughout, and they remained together. So... Well, yeah, but Cheryl must have been involved if he did it right, or was likely to be involved. Well, I mean, he could have been... It could have been that he was in financial um, difficulties without her knowing and then decided, oh, if I kill her parents, I'll get the money through yeah, who, by proxy. Who gets their fine china out for their son-in-law? I don't know. Would your parents do that if Luke came round? Well, I mean, it's a different time. I think, well, I suppose, you know, you, you do get your special... My parents have done that, to be fair. You know, if you if we've got people coming around for dinner, they'll get the nice plates out and not the scruffy ones. Or special occasions. I think <sighs> if they're a retired couple. If someone was going to come around and visit, they might make a, a bit more of a fuss about it. However, it wasn't him. And there's it's proof. It's proved otherwise that, you know, he had not committed these murders. So it is still now unsolved. Wait. Surely it wasn't proven. Surely it was just there wasn't enough evidence, so he got acquitted. If, if that makes sense. It does make sense. It does make sense. So in 2006, 
13 years later, the police were searching for two vehicles that they think were related to this crime, a red saloon car and a black 4x4. Going back to Cooper, he, as much as some of some of it was similarities to his MO, he was not familiar with the area, although he did attend an appointment at Bridgend Hospital that year. Another thing that probably means that Cooper didn't do it was that nothing was stolen from the property. Uh, and okay. Cooper would face his victims when he killed them and Megan and Harry were shot in the back of the head. So again, that doesn't quite link up to how he usually operates. No. I don't think he would have, t- he would have taken stuff, wouldn't he? He only ever seemed to kill for personal gain. Yes, Exactly. And I don't think that this was anything to do with Cooper. Um, but I do think it was someone that they potentially know. And a lot of people also agree with this, that there was no false entry and there were the fine chinas like a guest was coming round. I think that someone had come round that day. Mm. But many people surrounding this case want there to be a clear separation between Cooper because it's ending up hindering the investigation and preventing the police from following the clues to the actual killer as they feel like they're trying to jump ahead and think that Cooper may have been responsible. Uh, Okay, there's like too much focus on Cooper. Yeah. Um, However, this case was re-examined after Cooper's convictions. I just don't think it was enough to bind him to it. No, it doesn't sound like... if 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 they didn't get robbed, it seems highly unlikely. Yeah. Exactly. So the final case that I'm going to quickly go through is Griff and Patty Thomas. Griff was 73 and Patty was 70 and they were brother and sister. They were found dead in December 1976. This would have occurred before he won the money from the newspaper and committing his first known double murder in 1985. So this would have been nine years prior. So, forensic psychologist Dr. Clive Sims in 2011 thought that the double murder could be linked to Cooper. Originally, the deaths were categorised as a murder until it was concluded that Griff must have argued with his sister, Patty, who he had lived with for 70 years. It was thought that he had hit her over the head with a blunt object before setting himself on fire. This what? is a similar... I know, right? Seems like a hell of a leap. Yeah. So they said, oh, they must have argued because they lived together for 70 years. Griff hit Patty over the head with a blunt object and then set himself on fire. This was a similar conclusion that the police suggested for the Thompson sibling murders, which occurred nine years later. So... Originally, with the Thompson murder, they went murder-suicide, has to be brother and sister. They fall out, one of them's killed the other, and then they kill themselves. And that's where they jump to with this. It's like hot fuzz. There's, yeah. Oh, it's got to be an accident here. Yeah. You know, oh, <laughs> there's no accidents. way that someone's come and killed these people. They must have killed each other. Yeah, exactly. An accident gone wrong, mistake. So, however, Sims questioned the verdict of manslaughter in the case of Patty and an open verdict in the case of Griff. The blunt object used to kill Patty was never found. Dr Clive Sims believes that 
they were killed after a burglary gone wrong, which Cooper was known to committing in the area years later, as well as a double murder at Scoveson Park. This is very much in the area of which he was then... He, he grew up in this area, he was present in this area, and it was known later, many years later, that he was committing burglaries and murder in this area. So, something to bear in mind. Mm. Furthermore, the cash box in the house had been emptied, and the bureau which is a locked writing desk with drawers typically associated with business and offices. So like a locked drawer in the office had been broken into also. Okay, so it was a robbery element. Robbery element and the back door was left unlocked. Okay. So, as I mentioned before, this would have meant that it would have occurred years before the murders of the Thompsons. However, Dr. Sims also pointed out that it is unlikely for a serial killer to start committing murders at the age of 40. And therefore, it would be likely that he began killing before then. Interesting, okay. Which is really unusual, right? That he started committing known acts of murder at the age of 40, which is quite late. Isn't it? So it's weird that they returned, like, that the police thought that... Uh that the brother killed the sister when the cash box was gone. The cash points were gone. And also the blunt object that was used to kill wasn't present and they couldn't find it anywhere. That seems like a really weird verdict. Uh, Not verdict, but... Yeah. Yeah, that is the verdict. It just... But it doesn't sit right, I don't think. I don't... So, do you think... It does feel very hot fuzz. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Absolutely. I think that it just... Money was missing. The back door was open. I mean, he used fire at the Thompsons when he committed both murders and then set the house on fire. Yeah, it's very similar. But I, yeah, with that one, I think potentially that Cooper may have been involved. Yeah, maybe that was like the the first try, the first time. Maybe when he won the money, it stopped him doing any murdering for many years. Yes, because it was before the murders. And he was committing burglaries before then, because he was between the ages of 17 and 21. He was charged with a lot of offences. So maybe the money stopped him. Maybe. would make sense if he's only ever doing it for personal gain. Mm. Financial gain. There are many gaps in Cooper's history. There are some questions left unanswered, which we may have just answered. You know, why he became a killer... Why did he start so late? And this meant that there were many rumours and half-truths that swirled around this case. But due to minimal evidence at the crime scenes, it allowed him to roam free for over two decades. John Cooper is now 76 and is still behind bars where he at a disenclosed prison where he will remain for the rest of his life. And that is the Pembrokeshire Murders. Oh, you would never think that Pembrokeshire had so much action. Mystery. I would be very, I'd be very interested to hear what you guys think of those three cases and see, and hear, you know, do you think Cooper may have been involved? Mm, yeah, definitely. You guys will have to let us know. 
What do you think, Georgia? Which ones do you think he was involved in? I think um, I think Flo, unfortunately. Um, I think that Meghan and Harry, I don't think so. I think that it was probably someone a lot closer to home that they probably knew. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, Griff and Patty, I do think so. And I think he got away with it. What about you? Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I'm inclined yeah. to agree. Obviously. I think that there's definitely some consistencies that would make you think. Because, you know, it's not like a big conurbation where there's lots of killers potentially roaming. Yeah. It's rural Wales, basically. Rural Wales. And th- like um, someone said in this, that there were not... There were not shotgun murders happening every na- everywhere. This wasn't happening at all nationally. Like, nope. So then, for multiple couples to be turning up dead with shotgun wounds, it just seems—I don't know—suspicious. Very suspicious. But yeah, very interesting one though. I quite enjoyed like trying to piece together, pretend you know, pretend to be my own detective, but. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I hadn't actually heard of that case before. It's been living in near Pembrokeshire for five years. So yeah, um, yeah, thank you. Do you want to go through the socials just in case anyone? Yes, yeah. So send us your true crime stories or paranormal stories to goringguiltypodcast at gmail dot com. Follow us on Instagram at goringguiltypodcast, and follow us on TikTok at goringguiltypodcast, where we will be sharing videos that will not be on instagram so if you want to if you don't want to miss out on those you better come follow us um obviously if you enjoyed the episode like review subscribe all that jazz (laughs) but yeah thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed it i certainly did (laughs) cool well and remember we won't judge if gore is your guilty pleasure thanks for listening Bye. Cheers all. Bye-bye.